Turn in your Bibles this evening to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 17. Luke 17, we'll be reading together verses 5 through 19. So let's hear now the Word of God. Luke 17, beginning with verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Thus far, God's word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that that word teaches us and instructs us on every avenue of our life. And we thank you that when it comes to our faith and to our obedience and service of you, you've given us wise and gracious principles to guide us. We pray that you would bless your word this night. To us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the message from last Sunday evening has probably generated more questions, more comments, and more healthy conversations than I would say any message I have preached in my entire ministry. It has been amazing to see how God has used those words to change people's lives in a variety of ways. But this congregation is not alone in their response to our Savior's instruction about sin, rebuking the brother, repentance, and forgiveness. The original hearers of those words were also deeply affected by our Savior's instruction. As a matter of fact, we are told in verse 5 
that the disciples, our Lord's own disciples, when they heard those words, immediately responded by saying, Lord, increase our faith. It's almost as if the disciples are thinking and expressing, wow, you want us to do that? The only way that's going to happen is if you give us more faith. Well, in the following verses, in verses 6 through 10, Jesus reveals that the issue is not a need for more faith. If you want to serve God, it's not that you need more faith. The important thing is that your faith, whether small or great, is in Almighty God. And if that happens, you will be able to do anything that God commands. If your faith in trust and dependence is upon this mighty Spirit of God then you can do all that God commands. Now, Luke follows these words about faith and service with the the account of the healing of the ten lepers. Most of us are probably quite familiar with that particular story. But that is something that actually happened much earlier in Jesus' ministry. This trip to Jerusalem through Samaria and Galilee takes place back in chapter 9 of Luke and verses 51 and 52. Luke inserts it at this point. Remember, when we, we started this study in Luke's gospel, pointed out Luke is not chronological. He arranges his material thematically. And in this case, he inserts this particular incident into his account, not because it happened at this stage, but because of the connection between faith and obedience. And my friends, this relatively brief passage of Scripture contains a multitude of lessons of, of tremendous value for us As we believe and we exercise faith and we seek to serve God in obedience. First thing that I want us to see is the principle laid down. That faith promotes, it advances, it leads to obedience. Now verses 5 through 10 don't need a great deal of explanation with one exception. And that is the way that Jesus ties these two things together. He speaks of faith and then immediately moves into the aspect of service and how those two things are connected. So in response to the disciples' request, increase our faith, Jesus declares you don't need more faith. If you have even a tiny little bit of faith, 
You can accomplish what you need. You have what you need for serving God. So young people, children, sometimes you may think, but I'm young and I'm inexperienced and I don't know a whole lot about the Bible. But even a little bit of faith, Jesus says faith the the size of a, a mustard seed. I expect many of you know the size of a mustard seed. It's extremely tiny. Jesus is saying, you don't need great faith. If you have a little bit of faith, and that faith is in the living God, that's the key. That faith, even a small amount of faith in the God of the Bible, and you can do anything. Now, Hebrews eleven six, well known to many of you. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You have to have faith. And he who comes to God must believe that he is, and particularly that he is who he says he is in the Bible. So it's believing in the God of the Bible that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So take your little bit of faith and focus it upon the living God of the Bible and seek him. Put your hope in him. And you will have what you need to serve God. That faith, brothers and sisters, is not believing in a supreme being. It's not believing, as our culture talks about, uh, intelligent design. It's, It's not believing in a higher power. It's believing in the God of the Bible. It's believing and knowing the Christian God. As our catechism puts it, what is God? He is the infinite, eternal, and unchangeable God. We believe in him. He is the almighty. Just that we we read just now in, in Jeremiah 32, Lord God, nothing is too difficult for you. You are the mighty God. So when we have that faith in the living God, we have faith in the God of Genesis 1, the creator of the ends of the earth, a God who spoke and it happened. We believe in the God of Isaiah 40. Have you not known? Have you not heard? That the everlasting God, the Lord Jehovah, he is the mighty God. He does not grow weary. He does not faint. And to those that wait upon him, he gives strength and grace. We believe in that God. We believe In the God of John 3.16, a God who so loved us that he sent his only son into the world to die for us that we might have everlasting 
life. We believe in the God of Ephesians 2, 1. When we were dead in trespasses and sin, he said, live. And we were made alive in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> we believe in the God of Romans eight twenty eight, A God who can work every detail of our lives out for our good and for his glory. Now, my friends, when you have faith in such a God, you have all that you need to be pleasing to him. But notice now how Jesus moves from this, this description of the faith that we have in God Almighty. He, he moves seamlessly into this realm of serving God. And he begins to, to describe this situation that we can all understand. When he says, which of you, if, if you had a servant plowing in the field, he's, he's describing a, a man <clears throat> who has one servant. He's not a wealthy man. He doesn't have a ton of servants. He's got one. But he said, which of you, if, if you have a servant plowing or, or sowing in the field, when he comes in from his work, which of you would say, hey, come over here and sit down and, and let me serve your supper for you? No one would think that way. So Jesus is using a very practical illustration. It, it's a hypothetical situation, but it illustrates very well this relationship. And what he is driving home to us is that no one expects the master of the house to serve the servant of the house. His point is this, the God of heaven and earth, this great God of glory and majesty and power does not exist to meet our every little wish and desire. He is God. He is the creator. And you and I are the creatures. He is the master of the house. And we are the servants of the house. We're not expecting God to satisfy our every whim and desire. He is not some giant vending machine that we walk up and press A1 because that's what we want from God and he gives it to us. He's the master. He's the king. He's the creator. And we are the servant. We do, he does not exist for us. We exist for him. So what is our first catechism question? What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God. We exist to bring him glory, to serve him to do his will so true saving faith in the god of the bible enables us to understand who god is and who we are 
Now, there's a very distinct result that takes place when you understand that relationship. And it is this. There will be humility in the servant. So Jesus says in verse 10, likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done what we've been commanded to do. What was our duty to do? We don't exalt ourselves. We humble ourselves in the sight of God. And we, we may have given 100%, but we recognize that even that, as Isaiah puts it, even our righteousnesses are but filthy rags in the sight of God. Our hope, brethren, is in the righteousness of Christ that is perfect. And that righteousness is placed upon us. In the meantime, we will be very humble. And that humility is something that God loves to see in his people. Listen to Isaiah 57 and verse 15. Thus says the high and lofty one. Here's the almighty God. Exalted in his glory. Who inhabits eternity. Whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and with him who has a contrite and humble heart to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. My friend, God loves when he sees humility in his creatures. He takes delight in that. And he promises that he will work greatly as a result in our lives. Secondly, we have the perspective altered. In that faith modifies circumstances. Faith not only leads to a right understanding of who God is and who we are. Faith, brothers and sisters, faith will radically alter your whole view of life. The way you look at things. I was relatively young pastor in my second congregation. I'd been there a couple of years. I was taking counseling classes with Dr. J. Adams. And I had come to, to seize numerous problems in the church and, and they were weighting me down and there were difficulties and there were tensions and one night I was laying all of this out for Dr. Adams and, and he looked at me and smiled and said, wow, thank God for so many opportunities to see the hand of God at work. Well, I'm, <laughs> I wasn't quite there yet. And I, I wasn't sure he understood what I said. But now I know what he's saying. We, we see the same thing here. Beginning in verse 11, Jesus describes how faith changes our perspective. We read that as he's, he's on this journey, he is met by ten lepers. 
Now remember, leprosy was the most dreaded disease of the day. If we were to make a parallel, we could say this is pancreatic cancer, stage four. Leprosy was a slow, agonizingly painful disease. In addition to the physical pain that they experienced, the emotional pain of being isolated, they could not be in the company of other people unless they were lepers. There was the anguish, the absolute, the sheer anguish and hopelessness because barring a miracle from God, most likely the result would be death. That's what they had to look forward to. And further, because it was highly contagious, they were required by Leviticus 13 in verses 45 and 46 to dress a particular way, to live in isolation apart from human contact. And if they ever encountered anyone outside, they had to stay at a distance and they had to say, unclean, unclean. And so these Ten men, when they meet Jesus in verse 12, are standing at a distance, afar off, and they're crying out to him. We could certainly look at these circumstances and say it probably couldn't get much worse. But we learn something very important about the nature of faith here. Because faith seizes those hopeless circumstances and situations and turn them into opportunities to go to Jesus, to seek him, to call upon his name, and to be helped by him. These men lifted up their voices, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. Now, how these men knew who Jesus was, we are not told. I think it's relatively safe to assume that they had heard of his healing power, perhaps that he had even healed some lepers on occasion. Whatever the case, Jesus of Nazareth, the miracle worker, was now in their town. And they saw this as an extraordinary opportunity by faith to seek him out. Faith changes and modifies the way we look at our circumstances. And I can say to you tonight, if you and I are followers of Jesus Christ, if we are believers in the Most High God... We have the same opportunity so that Paul can say, whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, he's in prison. And he says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes human understanding, 
will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peter can say, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. My friends, if you're here tonight and things are not going so well, Things are hard. Circumstances are hard and difficult and painful. Recognize that that is an exceptional opportunity to go to our great high priest at the throne of grace and there receive grace to help in time of need. We can call upon Jesus just as these men did. Thirdly, the expectation rewarded. Faith responds to the word of God. If indeed these men had heard of Jesus, and now they realize he is there, they must have been filled with anticipation of what could happen. If they see him, if they talk to him, would he heal them? And how would he do it? Would he lay hands upon them as he did prior to a leper and healed him? Would he just speak the word like he did with the centurion and his servant was healed? What would he do? Try to imagine the situation that they experienced. They had been waiting. They had been hoping. They had been talking, perhaps praying about this very thing that was going to happen. And so all of a sudden they see him. There he is coming up the road. And so here they begin to shout, each of them shouting, Jesus, Lord, mercy, have mercy upon us. And Jesus sees them. And he stops. And everybody's waiting to see what's going to happen. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. And he passes on and walks into the village, leaving those lepers in stunned silence. That's it? Go show yourselves to the priest. Nothing's changed. We're still leprous. These men, I, I think again, it's not unreasonable to assume that they expected something different. They expected something more, something radical, something earth shaking to change, to heal. Jesus says, Go show yourself to the priest. And whether they understood why he told them to do that or not, we cannot say. We can say that they turned and headed for the temple or for the synagogue. My friends, here is another very valuable lesson for us about the nature of faith because faith always acts upon the word of God in obedience. These men, 
for all their questions, all the difficulties that they, they may have had. They understood and they believed that doing what Jesus had commanded would bring blessing. They couldn't make, make out exactly why he told them to go see the priest, but that is exactly what they did. They obeyed his command. They did what he had commanded. So faith always acts upon the word of God in obedience. It's not about how you feel about the situation. It's not about whether you understand why God gives a particular command or not. It's not about if you think it's a good idea or it's a reasonable uh, demand. It's not about those things. Read Hebrews 11 and you have man after man after man responding in obedience to the word of God, to the command of God. And they had questions and they didn't understand. They might not have felt good about it. But they responded obediently because they were men and women of faith. And they experience the blessing of God as a result. These lepers believe that doing what Jesus commanded would bring blessing. It is an extremely valuable lesson because they were right. As they went, we're told, they were cleansed. That is the way faith responds by doing what God says to do. It's a, it's a wonderful book to study, the book of Joshua. Many of you will recognize the words of Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Joshua fulfilled that, saw that promise come to bear in his life and in the conquest of the land of Canaan. There's an exceptional illustration of that in the book of Joshua in chapter 3. In Joshua chapter 3, when we read about God telling them, he was going to part the waters of the Jordan. But do you know when God said, I'm going to part the waters of the Jordan? When the soles of the feet of the priest touched the water. It wasn't going to happen until the priest stepped off the bank onto the water. And this was not... A gentle sloping beachfront that they could just kind of wade in and, and eventually God would dry up the water. This was, he tells us in verse 15, when the Jordan overflows its banks. This is floodwaters. This is raging river. And the priest had to step off the bank 
and not until their feet touched the water did God dry up the Jordan. My friends, that's faith. That's faith acting in obedience, trusting him, believing that what he says he will do. It's very interesting because we have multiple examples of this in our own life. One of them is in the way we pray. John the Apostle tells us in 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence that we have of him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And my friends, you might pray, but if you pray for something that is clearly not God's will, no need to expect that he's going to hear or answer. It's obedience. Faith takes obedience as it responds to the word of God and is blessed by the mercy of God because of it. Well, lastly, the glory of God advanced. Faith leads to gratitude. We all know the, the ending of this story about the ten lepers. And the scene described for us is, is almost hard to believe. Here are these ten lepers basically doomed to die. And Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests. They do that. They start heading for the priest. And then all of a sudden they realize We've been healed completely. One of them turns around and goes back to Jesus. Jesus appears to be quite surprised. Were there not ten healed? Where are the nine? Only one thought to return to give glory to God. And to thank Jesus for the wonders of his grace. And my friends, it's very easy for us to look at that situation and say, how could they be so cold, so indifferent, so unthankful? But my friends, how many times do we pray and God answers that prayer? Do we praise him? Do we return to give glory to God? Do we remember to go before the throne and thank God for his mercies? Brothers and sisters, every single day, every single hour of every single day, we have right, we have cause to go before God and give thanks to to him for all the mercies he has bestowed upon us. Psalm 103, in those, those words of verse 2, forget not all his benefits. I would encourage you tonight, perhaps, to go home and start a list the way God has blessed you. Yeah, there may be a lot of things that aren't right, that aren't good, that aren't happy for you, but start a list of the way God has blessed you. Think about all the answers to prayer. Think about all the provisions God has made. Think about how many times he has protected you. 
and he has blessed you. And don't forget to give thanks to him, to give glory to him. This is what this section of scripture has to teach us. Faith promotes obedience, changes our perspective of the circumstances it listens to and follows the word of God. But I think above all, gives us joy in serving God. It fills our heart with thanksgiving and we delight to be that servant of our master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we acknowledge we are but unworthy servants. How many times we have done even what we have been commanded to do, but not with a grateful heart, not with a thankful heart for your many mercies and gifts and graces. Lord, help us this night to learn from this passage and our Savior's instruction that even a little bit of faith can enable us to serve God and do it with joy. We pray that you would work this in us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take a few moments as we think upon these things. Pray that God would use them in our hearts and lives.